Welcome to the My Canine Coach Podcast, a show that coaches dog owners on how to achieve their ideal lifestyle with and for their dogs. You'll hear from canine coach Dana as she breaks down actionable dog training protocols, explores current dog training trends, and shares insights from her own experiences owning and working with dogs. Now, here's your host, canine coach Dana. Hey team, welcome back to another episode of the My Canine Coach podcast. As always, I'm your host, canine coach Dana, and I'm joined by my sometimes silent co-host Loki. We'll see how he does during this episode. Uh, Loki's my Bohemian Shepherd. If you haven't heard from us before and this is your first time tuning in, sometimes he makes noise. Sometimes he lets me know when people are parking their car or walking around outside. So we'll see how he does. But for today, for this episode, we're going to talk about the seen and the unseen side of dog ownership and dog training. What I mean by that is what's typically shown and typically not shown, not because of shame or anything like that, but just it's not usually showcased to others, some of the aspects of owning a dog. And for as vast as the internet is, and as much of us that we choose to show online, there's exponentially more to it. And sometimes I think that we forget that. Well, at least I forget that from time to time. And I'll get caught up in what I'm calling is this idealized version of dog ownership. And I think that I've mentioned this in a previous episode. I think it was the one on leash walking. But there's this idealized version of dog ownership that we see in the videos and the posts on social media from these owners who have massive followings or from trainers themselves or even from those accounts that are built just for the dog. So it looks like the dog is running its own social media page. There's this version that looks like reality, but really it's a microcosm of reality. You're seeing like 5%. And that's if I'm being generous of what it's like to actually live with, train or own that dog. But we see that same 5% over and over again. Like that content just gets recycled in slightly different formats from the same accounts over and over. So our feed makes it look like that's reality, that that is normal. That's what is a regular occurrence or that's what our expectations should be. So we see the dogs that walk nicely next to their owners on leash. We see the dogs that go to cafes and they peacefully will lay out under the table while their owner is socializing and hanging out with friends. We'll see the dogs sprinting after the ball and then running just as fast to bring it back and then drop it so that they can go run after it again. We'll see the dogs that get to go to family functions. We see the dogs that bring guests a toy or a pillow when they come over because they're just so happy and proud to interact with them. We see dogs that hike through these beautiful trails. We see all of these amazing moments, but that's all that they really are there. And I don't want to belittle them, but I want to drive home the point that those are small moments. They're brief glimpses into what owning that dog is actually like. And so what you don't get to see is 
the struggle of getting all the gear ready to go on that hike and get the dog prepared to go. Maybe they don't actually like putting on the jacket and the shoes if they're hiking in the wintertime. My brain's on winter because it's snowy here because I'm in New York. <laughs> or we'll see the, we don't get to see the dog that loses its mind, right? When the car pulls into the driveway or the dog that has to be crated at home during family functions because they don't have the capacity to tolerate being around so much activity or the dog that would rather ignore their owner to do what they want to do outside than play fetch or the dog that struggles to relax in busy environments and is always vigilant and on alert. That's Loki to a T. Uh, or the dog that pulls its owner for 95% of the walk. The only time it's not pulling is if it's going to the bathroom and both the owner and the dog are standing still, right? So most of all of that isn't what's shown because A, the algorithm isn't going to prioritize showing it because people don't actually want to watch that stuff so it doesn't get circulated. So yeah, that's true. But mainly because it just doesn't feel good to show the hard parts of owning a dog. And also it's not always, it's not really enjoyable content to really watch. It's not enjoyable for the viewer and it's often not enjoyable for the owner to say, hey, look at me and what my dog is struggling with. It's incredibly vulnerable to do something like that. Like I don't even like showcasing that because Whatever you put online, we know that we're going to get that, um, or we can, I should say, we can get that vicious feedback sometimes. And so to put something out there that you're not really proud of is a really hard thing to do. So we don't do that. And then also, that's not fun content to watch, it's not fun to watch somebody struggling and to see that it f ultimately fails in the end or there's no... Um, resolution it's not fun from a story perspective for us to see that so it's not content that's going to get circulated by the algorithm and so we're not going to see that anyway but all of that creates this false belief that all of the good parts that we're seeing is what or are what owning dogs should be like and it creates this expectation that owning a dog is the absolute most amazing best gift and you'll have a companion that you can take anywhere who will be happy and go lucky just to be with you and loves to do whatever you want to do or play whatever you want to play. And there is one part of what I just said that I think is absolutely true. Owning a dog is a gift, but not for all of those reasons all of the time. It's for some of those reasons, some of the time, and in probably very specific circumstances, but not always. So we can have that companionship, right? We can have it at home or maybe we can take them to a very specific set of uh, circumstances in a specific environment and that companionship can be there and our dog's not going to get overwhelmed and over aroused, right? So that can happen and we can enjoy that. But that's not what happens all of the time. It typically only happens in specific circumstances, but those are the ones that get shown. And so I say this because I have found myself having this same conversation with clients recently about what they think they should train their dog to do and what they actually want their dog to be able to do. 
And I've spent some time recently through these conversations undoing these thoughts and this external pressure that clients feel they have to put on themselves and put on their dog to be able to do it all, be perfect everywhere, have the best obedience, always listen to them. The dog never gets on the counter, in the trash, or steals socks, or gets overly excited about people coming over. And it's literally this massive pressure that they feel that they need to achieve all of these benchmarks. But if it's not what they want, then they shouldn't feel that they need to strive for that. So then I find myself in these conversations where I have to ask them leading questions, like um, if you had to tell Buddy, let's say the dog's name is Buddy, if you had to tell Buddy to sit three times before he actually sat down, would that bother you? So if you were standing there and you wanted Buddy to sit and you said, sit, Buddy, and he didn't sit down, and then you said, sit again, you said, sit for a third time, and then he actually sat down, would that bother you? Most of the time, my clients say no. They don't care if they have to ask their dog to do something a couple times. They just care that the dog does eventually do the thing. Now, three is not a lot of times, right? So if you had to ask your dog probably to sit 10 times before it sat down, I could see that being frustrating. But I even have to ask Loki a couple times. I have to tell him to do something. So if it's a sit, I'll say, hey, Loki, sit. And sometimes he doesn't sit. And then I'll have to go sit. And then he's like, oh, okay, sorry, I got it. And then he sits down. Does that bother me? No. Is it perfect? No. If I was filming a piece of content to put out online to show that my dog is capable of sitting on command, would I want to show the one where I had to say it twice? No, not really. I would want to show the one where I only had to say it once and then my dog did it. Right? But that's not what it actually looks like owning Loki. I have to ask him a couple times sometimes to do stuff and it doesn't really bother me because I know he's going to do it and I know he knows it. It's just sometimes it takes a little bit longer. And that's a really small example, but it's demonstrating that there's this pressure that I think a lot of my clients or I know that a lot of my clients are putting on themselves um, or maybe it's not even a pressure. It's more like it's more like a benchmark that they think they need to achieve in order for their dog to be considered obedient um, or to be considered well-behaved. Actually, that's probably what I should say, not obedient, but well-behaved. And so they think they have to hit these specific benchmarks, but they're in conflict with how they actually just want to live with their dog and how they actually expect their dog to behave on the average. Another area where I find myself often having this conversation is in regards to the walk, right? A lot of owners don't want their dog to pull them around for the entirety of the walk because it's straining. And I get that. I don't want my dog to do that either. Um, but social media or the idealized picture of a dog who walks nicely on leash is one that walks right at your side with a really loose hanging leash and they don't drift ahead or behind or to the side they just hang out right next to you and some dogs will naturally do that but if your dog isn't one that naturally does that it takes quite a bit of training to get them to consistently for a let's say half hour walk if that's how long your walks are to stay right by your side the whole time and choose and want to do that so I'll have conversations where I'll ask 
hey, if Millie walks next to you during your walk and also sometimes a little bit ahead or a little bit behind or a little bit to your left, would that bother you? Usually the answer that my clients give me is, I just don't want her pulling me the whole time. I don't care if she pulls me here or there every once in a while because she wants to go sniff something. I just don't want her literally yanking me down the street for the whole walk. And then in that conversation, we both get to realize that we don't need to waste our, um, I don't want to say waste in the sense that like it wouldn't be beneficial to do this in terms of the, for the owner or the dog. But if you truly don't care whether your dog pulls you every once in a while or where they are in respect to you on a walk, why put in a lot of effort and training into getting them to walk right next to you? If we can just say, hey, Millie, you're just not allowed to pull when the leash goes tight, but you can be anywhere you want. If that's satisfactory to the owner, then let's just try to achieve that. Why go for a higher benchmark if what they actually want is a lower one, right? So here is where I'm finding I'm having these conversations to separate the owner's expectations from what they've let society or social media convince them that their expectations should be or what their breed of dog should be doing, right? So if you have a shepherd, it should be hardwired to play fetch. Like it should, you should just be able to throw a ball. It should want to go get it. And it should also want to bring it back to you. If you have a pit bull, it should be great with kids. If you have a golden doodle, it should be able to chew with you and you should be able to take them anywhere. And so there are breed expectations that owners get caught up in too. But all of this, all of these are just guidelines. Your individual dog isn't going to be the epitome of this idealized version of dog ownership or the epitome of the breed standard. And this idea that they should be able to do these things is coming from external voices that you've heard, that they should be good at X, Y, and Z. So we tell ourselves that if they're not, then there's something off with them or us and we need to fix it. But if everything is going pretty well for you both, so there's nothing wrong with the way that you're living with your dog or how your dog is acting. What you want and what your dog is capable of is all that matters. And then also figure out if the juice is worth the squeeze. So if your dog is getting into the trash, let's say, when you're not home, I can come to your house and we can come up with a training plan to teach them to avoid the trash after multiple lessons. Or you can just put the trash in the closet so your dog can't have access to it. And now your dog doesn't get in the trash. So (laughs) is it worth the squeeze for you to put in the time, effort, and money to train it out? Or can we just put the trash can in the closet? Nobody's dog is perfect. Heck, even Loki can't see another dog right now without running his mouth and pulling me over there to get closer. So he goes into this huge barking fit and he just wants to go say hi to the dog. But he comes back every time when I call him. He cuddles me on the couch at night. He rarely gets up on the counter. I say rarely because unless I'm dumb and left something out that was way too enticing and way too easy to get, he will go up there. So he has gone up there in the past but he rarely does. He drops 
anything in his mouth when I ask him to. He barks to let me know that something is going on outside. He makes the silliest noises when we play. He loves people and he keeps me super active. And all of those things I love so much about him, but he's also not perfect. He can't go to all of those places that calmer dogs can. I can't take him to uh, Broadway um, in Saratoga and sit outside on the patio at one of the restaurants and have him come with me and hang out um, at the table with us. Now, I could do that, but it would require a lot of effort on my end to always keep an eye on him. He'd want to go say hi to everybody. He would have a really hard time settling down. He would just get way too excited, and it's just not worth it for me to do that he's not a dog that genetically and breed wise is really built for that type of situation so have I pushed our training to try and do that no because to me it's not worth the squeeze another thing that he struggles with is that he can't sit still when we go to new places unless I've worked him first and played with him and got him physically and mentally tired then we have a chance but even then it's still very hard and he just struggles a lot with it he also whines and has really bad FOMO and loses his mind if I leave the house without putting him in the crate first he's got to be in there in order for him to go okay it's cool she's going to do her thing she'll be back in a little bit I can manage and cope with the fact that we're being separated because I'm in my crate which I am accustomed to and it's fine. I'm not worried about whether she was going to take me or not because she put me in here and that means that I'm supposed to hang out in here until she comes back. If I don't do that, he has a total meltdown (laughs) and he barks and cries in my apartment, which I can't have because I live in an apartment. So I always put him in a crate when I leave. He doesn't get to hang out in my apartment alone unless I'm also in the apartment somewhere. He doesn't get to hang out here alone while we're gone, right? Most dogs graduate to being able to do that. Loki hasn't graduated, but you know what? He's not perfect. And so for all of these things, he is actually the best gift ever, but he's just not capable of doing all of the things that we idealize our dogs should be able to do all of the time and in all circumstances. He doesn't fit that idealized mold of dog ownership, but he also shouldn't have to. And I shouldn't place that pressure on myself to change him or make him fit that mold. I've been trying really hard to not make this episode a rant. (laughs) Hopefully it hasn't come off that way as I've been talking. But it's a topic that I feel really strongly about because I find myself slipping into that mindset every once in a while because I am so caught up in social media as somebody who runs their own business I have to be active on social media and so that's not something that I can always just turn off and ignore for a while and if I'm on it a lot I'll find myself convincing myself that I need to work on different things with Loki's training just because I've seen it maybe a hundred times on Instagram and that's not to say that it's not good to see what other people are capable of doing and striving to reach new goals for yourself and new goals for your dog. That's excellent. But I want to make sure that 
we're not falling into this trap that we have to make our dogs fit a certain type or that our lives with our dogs have to look a certain way. They just have to be the way you want them to be. Hopefully, in sharing all of this, at least one person listening can take some of this pressure off of themselves to have the perfect dog. I need to take my own advice in that department. It's difficult sometimes, but I hope that this episode has helped. And if you find that you're falling back into that mindset, hopefully maybe you can go back and listen to it or you can share what's going on in the Facebook group. If you're brave enough, I want you to tell me one thing that your dog is bad at that you won't ever change about them because it's not what you really want to worry about. I listed a bunch of things that Loki is bad at that I just don't really care. He's just not good at them. And we're not going to worry about it because the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And it's okay that he's bad at those things. It's not a reflection on him and it's not a reflection on me. So if you're brave enough, post something that your dog is bad at, that you're not intending to change because you just don't care that it's bad because it suits your lifestyle and it doesn't matter. Post it in the Facebook group. Let's all share so that we can start to dismantle this perception of idealized dog ownership. And that's it for this episode. It's a little bit short, but I didn't really want to make this a huge rant, like I said. I just wanted to get my point across and hopefully help some of you guys shed some of this pressure that you might be feeling. If you liked this episode and you found some value in it, please share it with a fellow dog owner and then make sure that you subscribe them to the show so that they get notifications when future episodes drop. Sharing and talking about my podcast is the best way to help it grow besides writing a review. (laughs) So if you like that podcast, we're in our second year now. We've been doing it for a full year. This is the first episode of year number two. If you guys like hearing these episodes and you like me putting them out, the best thing that you can do is give me five stars if you think I'm worthy of five stars and write me a review. That way all of the platforms and social media will push the episodes out to more people and we can reach and impact more people. If you'd like to get in touch with me about training or to give feedback or ask a question, The best way to do that is by visiting my website at myk9coach.com and requesting a consultation, or you can send me an email at k9coachdana at gmail.com. Both of those are listed in the show notes, so you can get all the spelling there. You can also subscribe to my email list via my website to get updates on all things canine coach, get training tips, alerts when episodes drop. And for my email list people, I send a newsletter in the middle of each month that recaps all of the major points of that month's podcast episode. So you don't have to go back and listen to the full episode to review all the highlights. You can just go straight to the email and get all that info there. So jump on that if you want those emails. But that's it for this episode. I'll see you next time. Loki and I are going to go do some cool dog stuff.